We have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, Dojo family. I am here today with a brand new sister, fresh, hot off the press. We are literally just meeting right now. And I feel like this is a a unique opportunity for all of us together to get to know Echo Summerhill, who is an intuitive business mentor and spiritual ascension leader based in Texas. And after just briefly getting to know you through your digital offerings and social media and just the conversation we got to have before I pressed record. I really feel the potency of your presence, the, you know, incisive energy that you bring and the clarity that you bring. And I feel already just a really kindred spirit. And I'm excited to get to know you and get to know the journey that brought you into this work. And one thing I know for sure that's been true for me and true for all of the allies in my life who have shown up in the perfect timing. I've learned so much about each individual and how we each serve through the path that we've walked. Like, you know, the integrity of the way that we serve, how you show up as a, as a mentor and a leader is directly relative to your own pain points, expansion points, and in the great school of life. And I do find that while, of course, you know, conventional education and courses and learning from a book and learning from teachers who are guiding us is so valuable, of course, I find for myself the most potent transmissions that I receive from mentors and guides are coming from the heart of what they've learned from living it, from actually living it. And so today I'd love to explore with you the path that you've walked, the life that you've lived, like what has your spiritual education actually been, you know, how has that looked for you? And so just to open, I'd just love to hear from you. What in your journey would you say was the catalyst for your original awakening? 
Yeah, I love that. And thank you. I'm so honored to be here. So thank you so much. Oh, it's a loaded question, right? (laughs) Which catalyst? The first big turning point. Right. So for me, I actually went on my conscious, my first awakening five years ago. It's when everything kind of came to me. And then of course, you know, as you know, you remember everything from the past, you know, early on, but it was my first big one at 33 years old and 38 now. Mm -hmm. And it was at a time where I had made my first million dollars and was doing really well and in business and looked up and I was the unhappiest and unhealthiest I had been in my, all my adult life. I was drinking too much. I was diagnosed with neurological Lyme disease, which I don't have now. And I just was like, this, this is not what success should feel like. And So on that kind of like started to ask myself those questions, you know, what, you know, this isn't what I thought, you know, being rich would feel like, like, what is this, you know? And that's when my soul and and source really woke me up and, you know, divinely perfect, you know, certain people were starting to be implanted into my life that were on their own spiritual path and guides and mentors and healers and, I just dove head first. I kind of put business to the side for a while after, you know, working for most of my life and and being an entrepreneur for a really long time. And I just dove head first into my spiritual journey and, you know, quit drinking alcohol four years and eight months ago at this time. Yeah. And, and just knew that I had to really clean up my lifestyle, my spirit, my connection to source, and really even discover what that was. Mm -hmm. And so that was the biggest catalyst. And then of course, there's been several little awakenings since then. I'm walking through actually what I call the biggest one that I've had over the last month of my life. And Mm -hmm. I always see that how I've been divinely guided. And then of course, a few years into my own awakening, I, I saw there were some missing pieces, which then took my work to the next level, my mission on this planet to the next level and what I do and how I show up and, and how I share this work with the women of the world specifically. Mm -hmm. Wow. And what were those missing pieces? You know, when I started my spiritual awakening, again, beautiful healers, beautiful mentors in my life, beautiful connections, but there was missing and and in a meditation, you know, my guides came to me and, and told me that I was a bridge from the spiritual realms to the physical realms. And I was seeing a lot of that tangible practice on how to do the soul work in your day-to-day life within your relationships. Like there was this piece missing for me of like, yes, I've got all of the spiritual tools and like, you know, you know, I'm in, I'm in alchemy. So like I practice energetic healing and and in my way it's called alchemy. And I saw all this and I had all this and I was opening, my channels were opening so much, but I, there wasn't anything teaching me outside of spirit, how to have that in my day-to-day life, how to incorporate my spiritual journey into my business, how to lead my business. And so that's when I created the international movement soul up three years ago and really helping, you know, our motto is raising the consciousness of the planet by leading women back home to their power and sovereignty. And it's truly about that mind, body, soul 
and business alignment and really learning how to cohesively incorporate all of this into your human life. So beautiful. You know, it's been a big theme in my own life lately, you know, really looking at the different pathways that we can take. And there's, it's either a Zen quote or Buddhist quote, forgive me. I don't remember the source of it, but there's a quote that talks about, you know, like religion is the finger pointing at the moon. Mm. The catch is you don't want to get caught on the finger. You know, that's where we get into the shadow of religion and the dogma of no, it's this one way. And the point is the moon, we're all aiming for, you know, our evolution, our freedom, liberation, love, what we define as enlightenment. Like how would we even define that? It's different for everyone, but in essence, the plant teachers are pointing us to the moon. The various spiritual paths are pointing us to the moon. We're all coming from this deeply open heart space and the aim is towards the moon, but the trap is to become rigid and get caught on this one pathway is the way. And I really feel, and that's at least from my perspective, there are also, I think there's value in like the purity of particular pathways, But when it veers into rigidity and dogma and wrongmaking and othering of different ways of of going about it, then we start to get into some trouble from my perspective. And so what I feel when I started looking at these different pathways through some catalysts that were occurring in my own life, I saw very clearly, I could almost like bring them into two pathways where there's like the, the purely spiritual transcendent pathways. And that includes many like meditation practices and Eastern traditions. And there's, there's a lot of different, whether it's Zen or Buddhist or Vedic, there's a lot of different Vipassana meditation realms where it's a lot of focus on the transcendent path, which is really valuable from my perspective. Then there's also the tantric path, the embodied path, the path of what you're, you're calling business. I'm calling embodiment. I'm calling like, bring it into form. You know, we're the elevator. We think so much the elevator just goes up. Like, how can I transcend the physical? How can I get out of the body? How can I open up my channels and receive messages from my guides? But then it's like, what a lot of what I'm hearing from you is like, you're like, yeah, I I got, I got there. I felt this awakening into my higher consciousness and my connection. And a part of your coding is like, oh yeah, the elevator comes down too. And what I'm bringing back down to earth through the finite form of my vessel, it's not get rid of, get out of, bypass this finite form and all the emotional content and somatic memory that's here. It's actually how deeply in, can I go as deeply in as I aim to go as deeply out or as high out and as as out and expanded as I can become, can I go as in and, and feeling like the embrace? We have this idea that channeling is, it's almost like there's an impression that I feel is like channeling is like you're, you go to your third eye and your crown and you're opening up to the heavens. But what if to channel was also to go as deeply into your heart as you could possibly access and to find your, your truest inhabiting, like how much of your body are you able to actually inhabit? And this is the touch point. This body is the touch point between spirit 
and form and the life force of your soul is moving. This is the vehicle. This is how we manifest. This is how we create. And if we were only here to transcend the form, it's like, I feel like once you fully transcend the form, if you're still here in a body, the highest expression of the most elevated expanded consciousness is actually to come back into the body and fully inhabit the form and create from limitless, free, liberated consciousness. And I love what you're sharing because that brought up those thoughts for me because I hear that you're like, wow, I access this transcendent place. And then I recognize, wow, like I get to bring it actually into my business. I get to bring spirit and source into the way that I create on this planet and and touch this, this planet. So how did that impact? Like, what did you see change? in your business, in your, basically your touch point to life, including your relationships, your relationship with food, your relationship with, you said you quit drinking alcohol. So just substance in general, your relationship with the planet, like how did all of that shift after you fully embrace the transcendent path? And then I also want to name before we, you answer just to balance things out. There's also the equal and opposite of getting so hyper-fixed Mm-hmm. on the humanity and the personal development and the somatic, the emotional body level that we're caught in the thought patterns and we're caught in the trauma patterns and we're caught in the, the pain body. Mm-hmm. And we have so much hyper-focus on just wanting to fix that and change that and make it better. So we don't have to feel that, mm-hmm. or we're just completely blinded by the overwhelm of how intense the being a human in a body can be, right? That can also be if it creates a hyper fixation on just like everything is about feeling better and we're so here in the body, there's such a benefit of the perspective and the context. I can even feel the relaxation in my system now as I expand my awareness out to touch the sides of the room that I'm in. And as I expand my awareness into a space of surrender and trust and open acceptance, an open field of acceptance to all that's moving in my body right here. It's like, wow, how beneficial that is as well. And prayer to then pray to your guide, you know, then that's where the prayer comes in, you know? So there's, it's like both, both and, and there's so many different forms of embodiment work as well, right? There's masculine, feminine dynamics. There's plant medicine work. There's dance. There's, there's so many ways. There's somatic healing work. There's trauma healing work. There's a lot of hearness work, right? Intimacy work, right? But then it's like, wow, I just find I'm really present to the balance and how important that is. So how is that balance translated in your life? And what does it look like tangibly? on the physical world level. Yeah, I love that. So I always say, like going back to your first statement, I always say there's a million ways to make a million dollars and there's a million ways to know God. And so, and that's why so much of my work is like coming back to yourself and your connection to your higher self, whatever, you know, you name that. And so I love that. And yeah, for me personally, It was about less in the beginning. It was about less focus on the external worlds and what I thought I'd been programmed 
to be and do in the world. And from a very young age out of survival, I learned to hustle and to be very independent and to work, 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 be busy. Like you're only valuable if you're busy and you're making money and you're working hard and doing all the things. And so for me, a lot of that and what I teach is healing the hustle. And for me, hustle, the definition of hustle for me is the push, pull, force, drag energy to receive an outcome. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're not taking aligned action. It doesn't mean that you're not working hard sometimes. It's it's really releasing that hustle because what I learned from my own experience is that the hustle for me was a way to feel loved and to feel valuable, to get those paths on the back. And, you know, you're doing a good job, whether it was from family, whether it was from, you know, the external world that, you know, I was revolving in, like whatever it was, I equated my worth to how much money I could make and how much I could do and how busy I was. And so that truly in the beginning of my awakening was one of the first things that had to shift for me. And I had to truly fall in love with myself and, and know my worth outside of the external Mm. forces. And, you know, I always say this, I have an eight-year-old son and it's like, we are just born worthy. I don't look at my son when he was born and say, you know, well, you're worthy until you're 14 and you've got to get a job. And then you're only worthy if you're making money and you're, it's like, we have to know our innate worth and value just in who we are. And, and so that was a huge piece of how I started to heal. That was yes, through all of the alchemy and somatic release and trauma healing and, and all of this. And it's again, like you said, and what is even the definition of enlightenment to me, it's not a destination. It's truly just a journey. Like, I don't think there is an end goal. Like even when, you know, per the energetic field, like when we are quote unquote enlightened in spirit and all this stuff, like we're probably going to choose to incarnate again, to clear more karma and to go on this journey in some other fashion, whether it's this planet or beyond. And so it's always a journey, but for me, it was really healing that hustle and discovering my innate worth. And then you mentioned like the connection to you know, earth and just coming back to nature. We live in a world where everything's connected to a device or a phone and, and, you know, electronics, and we've got everything at our fingertips, but we forget that we're being held by this beautiful vessel of mother earth and, and that we get to connect and that, you know, it's the omnipresence. It's like the eminence that there we're all made of spirit, you know? And so coming back to that was a huge piece of that. And, disconnecting from the collective programming that I was a huge part of, you know, and I loved how you mentioned the balance and always laugh and say, I don't really believe in balance, but I believe in harmony. And mm-hmm. so whether it's harmonizing the divine feminine and divine masculine energies or harmonizing the, like you said, the transcendental work with the human vessel work, we have to find that harmony because in the beginning of my awakening, I did what you said and I just went I dove deep into the spiritual work and kind of was like, screw everything else, you know? And it's like, and then I realized, okay, I can't just live in meditation or I can't live in this healing. Like 
we have to live and clear this karma and heal our ancestors through actually being human. We signed up for this to do this work. And so we have to harmonize this journey and we have to be both. We have to be the human and the being. And so it's important that we're always looking at how to integrate and then to embody these different parts of ourselves. And again, everyday life and our relationships and in our businesses and just going to the grocery store can be a spiritual experience. You allow it to be right. You can go and clear judgment. You can send love. You can embrace people. Like there's so much that we can integrate into this human form through our spiritual journey. Mm. Well said. I love what you just named around the difference between balance, Mm -hmm. aiming for balance and actually harmonies a better word to describe it because it doesn't require things to be equal. It's like they actually ebb and flow, right? You know? Yeah. They ebb and flow, you know, things ebb and flow and change. And that's the nature of life. And it's like letting go of any controls on any of it is such an integral part. I know for myself and in these, if you listen to any of the, pretty much any of the episodes, but especially the recent (laughs) episodes, I'm, I'm sharing a lot about my own journey of really letting go of everything known and being asked to do that again and again and again. And what that is teaching me, not only at a conceptual level, but especially at an embodied level. And we can embody these lessons. We talk about letting go of control. We talk about trusting life. We talk about trusting love. We talk about these things, surrender, but you know, how much simultaneity or harmony can we bring to the perspective, both when things are being released from our life, when we're asked to let go of control, how important it is to have the perspective that like, okay, this is happening for me. This is I'm being, there is no way for me to control this. I will try in every way until I exhaust myself. And then I actually get the embodied lesson of what it is to trust, to let go, to surrender. And sometimes it just needs like an iron claw to be like ripped out of our life so that we get the lesson and the perspective is so powerful, but also again, this is the harmony, but also the compassion of just the humanity of how intense it can feel to go through these initiations of heartbreak, to go through these initiations of death, to go through these initiations of loss. And so my sense is you've named a couple of times that over the last month, you've been going through one of the greatest initiations of your, of your entire life. And I'd be curious to know if you'd be willing to share with me and with all of us, what's been happening in your life and how has that looked for you? And what are the lessons that you're reaping so far? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel that that is one of the things that my soul signed up for was massive expansion through pain and trauma. And it's been, and it's, I've lived such a beautiful life for most of my life, but you know, again, going back to trauma as a child and as a teenager, and even in my early twenties and, and now walking through it, I've been walking through over the last month and And that's a big portal of power for me is extracting the gifts and treasures from, you know, perceived pain. And so, yeah, for the last month without giving away too many details, because it's, you know, we haven't talked anything about it publicly, but we are going through some massive upgrades in our sacred union and with my husband. Mm -hmm. And it's been the most challenging time of my adult life, but also the most beautiful and expansive and 
ascended time of my life. Because like you said, you know, it's interesting because about a month and a half ago, I had what I was saying is like this next level awakening. I mean, it's, it was this huge shift in, it was this ascension piece that was missing for me for through the last few years and all of my life. But really, I knew there was something missing the last few years. And it was really about my belief in others and my belief that others could hold all of me and could handle all of me and all of my power and all of my, whatever I have to offer. And then there was also this belief that it was okay if other people, and again, this, I know you understand this, this was all very subconscious, unconscious programming. I was never looking at somebody going like, you can't handle me or you're not in your power. Like it was very subconscious and how I was, and, and it was a very vulnerable thing I shared with my community. It's like, how I would, I was not seeing people in their fullest power because it kept me the powerful one. And this is very vulnerable, but again, very subconscious, unconscious that came to the surface. If I was in my power and I wasn't seeing them in their power and I was almost focused on their small self, I was safe Mm -hmm. because I was the strong one. Yeah. Right. But when I shifted that in this next level of like, holy crap, okay, first people can hold all of me in my power and I can see other people in their power knowing that it doesn't mean pain. Yeah. It doesn't mean, you know, heartache or whatever it was. Well, yeah. two weeks after that, my, you know, the universe is like, okay, like you just said, like, okay, you think you've got this lesson, you're uh-huh. feeling in your power, everything's changed, you've upgraded, you know, how you run your business, how you run your life, all this stuff. Well, let's test all of this. Let's gift you with, and I always say the tests are, are gifts. Let's gift you with this test to see if you really mean it. Yeah. And, you know, it felt like a million band-aids being ripped off all at once. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud to say that I took the gift and I opened it and I've handled everything with such grace. And I've seen and captured such, such a new level of my power that I didn't know existed. And then the power in my spouse and the power in my family and, and Mm -hmm. my soul family and my friends, and it's really activated this. And, and what I keep walking through with this initiation of power through this pain is a powerful lesson that that I've just not only integrated and embodied myself, but when I go through challenges, because no one's exempt from challenges, some are bigger than others and everybody's level of pain tolerance is different than others. So there's zero judgment around my pains bigger than yours and all this stuff. Right. But when I walk through pain or I walk through struggle and I I've done this my entire life and it was just a gift from, from source because I didn't know any better back then, but I always, always want to write this story the way that I'll be proud of. And through this traumatic experience, I've chosen in each moment to breathe into it and to write this story in a way that I will be proud of. For me, looking back in 5, 10, 20 years, I want to say that I handled myself in the highest regard. I handled, you know, I conquered and like went direct to the pain and didn't bypass it or sweep anything under the rug. Like I faced it head on, you know, I didn't lose my mind, you know, like I wanted to and continue to want to write the story through this pain of something that I can be really proud of one day. And I'm already writing a book, like starting a second book on it. Like, it's like, 
it's so powerful to experience such a great level of trauma and heartache and pain, but to be a gift, to be able to extract the treasures from it. And I think that's a lesson that, you know, again, I've taught that I'm, people always call me the silver lining queen because the most like intense things, maybe not right in the moment, but I believe there's something beautiful that can come out of the worst traumas and the worst heartache. There always is. It might not be today, but in 10 years, or, you know, even if it's just the trauma brought awareness for other people around something, there's something there. And I think that that power that we get to cultivate with anything, whether it's relationships, business, our own journey, whatever it is, we can always find the gifts and the treasure through the pain. Mm. Well said. Wow. I just resonate so much with you. There's a lot of parallels, even though you're not being specific at this moment about the trauma patterns that you've been through. I can feel the depth of it. I can feel the intensity of what you've met. And what you're continuing to meet, Mm -hmm. I can feel the way that you're not bypassing the pain and just writing a silver lining story about it. Actually, you have the capacity to write the silver lining story as a direct function of how deeply you're willing to be with yourself. And and we can be willing to be with ourselves in the uncharted territory of pain that a prior version of ourselves did not have the tools to deal with. And we can have a really hard time with it. We can think that we're messing it up. We can squirm and distract ourselves with social media for a minute and then catch ourselves doing that. We can, you know, eat over, eat over it and then catch ourselves doing that. And just where's the thread of patience and compassion when you are in the process of consciously, intentionally, and with care meeting pain thresholds that are coming up and directly relative to catalysts that are emergent in your life. So life is doing her thing, bringing you exactly the triggers and the catalysts that you need that are so precisely designed to touch right where your particular brand of ouch is. Mm -hmm. And that is an understatement. I almost feel like that's too frivolous of a word to say your brand of ouch. I mean, your brand of on your knees in fetal position, wailing on the floor in front of your altar, forced to pray, not like sparkly love and light. I'm going to do my practice this morning and like pray to my guides, but like, no, like help. Like I need, I give this up to something greater than me. I I'm trusting that this is occurring for me. I can see. And if you need support with the trust piece, just track how precisely designed the thing that's occurring in your life, that's stirring up the pain portal that you're in. And it is a portal. You're moving through something. There's a motion through into when we don't resist the catalyst and the pain, the process that we're in, when we don't resist the process and just give ourselves to it, which is easier said than done sometimes. Ironically, the energy can actually move faster, but we can't be attached to it moving faster. And that's why we're doing it. It's this really sensitive process to actually surrender into. And sometimes we need to be it takes time to even get to the surrender. 
sometimes we need to be forced into the surrender a little bit and and we get to a point eventually where you just, you surrender into the truth of what's occurring. And then you can start to actually embrace the truth that's occurring as the most perfect scenario for you to see you and where the scary bits have been living more clearly. And then you resurrect into a moment where you are not running from yourself and you're, I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to me. I'm speaking to everyone listening, right? The resurrect into a moment where the pain is there, this ancient pain point that was seated at a very early age through our early childhood traumas. You've named that you went through men, you know, a very intense trauma storm mm-hmm. when you were young, right? So we get seated and this energy is stuck and it needs to be moved and we will reenact and attract circumstances and characters in our life that are going to stir that up for us until we're ready to not avoid it, not run from it, not reenact it, but actually sit with it. And when you find yourself in that moment of simultaneous awareness, this is it. Holy shit. Whoa, this is happening. And it becomes less about the circumstance that's triggering it. You stop trying to control that and you just feel the pain, the experience that's there, which is your system calling for your attention and your healing and your reference point. You're creating a new reference point of, oh, I can meet this with compassion. The this I'm referring to is you. It's me. You deserve your own attention and your own presence. And we're the only one inhabiting our body in here. You're your greatest healer from the inside out. And to arrive into the moment where you're in the deepest pain and it's being met with your deepest presence. I noticed for myself, that's where the greatest power lives. And that's why the women in the dojo ecosystem and the containers can trust me because I'm living it myself and walking with integrity and they can make eye contact with me in the depth of a ceremonial container and train into my physiology that is actually inviting the truth that you can meet yourself right here, right? And I really feel that with you, Echo, that you're meeting these profound pain points and witnessing the patterning that is like, wow, it sounds like it's like coming to a crescendo or something. Like there's a a certain type of patterning that you're naming as, you know, I'm in my power and this person can't hold me. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so we reenact circumstances and who better to do that with than our primary love partner. <laughs> and they perfectly play the character to precisely bring up that pain point. And, and it's an, it's a death. There's a death of an identity. That pain that we're feeling most often is a protection mechanism and identity that's holding on for dear life. Mm-hmm. She does not want to die because she's damn sure that you need her mm-hmm. to be okay. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious, Echo, what has your journey been like of the process of allowing for conscious release or conscious death of the protection mechanisms or these identities in you? Is there a way that you could describe, you know, what does the protector look like and how is that identity going through a death and like, how is that looking for you? What's emerging on the other side of this death? I know you're still like in it if it's only been a month, you know, but if you had to describe that part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I always say like with this, you know, with all situations and these deaths and rebirths and reclamation and resurrection, it's like, I truly believe we all come here with these soul contracts and these soul agreements to what we're meant to do on this planet in this lifetime. And we can only get so far in parts of our journey without needing a big cleanup or needing cleanup along the way. And when you kind of ignore the cleanup along the way, then you end up having a big pile that needs to be cleaned up. So it's like, I knew for me when I was going to this next level, even the month and a half ago, when I had that big shift, it was like, of course, two weeks later, this happens because where I'm meant to go, none of this could go in this. It wasn't in resonant field. It wasn't in vibrational cord. So of course it's stuck right here and it needs to explode and, you know, everything else can bloom. But, you know, with me, it's always a reminder that, you know, when I see, when you were describing that in my clairvoyantly, I was seeing like a water hose, you know, like, And it's like, we want the water hose to like water the garden. But if we're resisting that flow of pressure for the water and we've got it cinched up and twisted up and not allowing the flow, even though it needs that pressure to actually water the plants, it is when we release and we allow that water to flow through and have that pressure to not only nourish the plants, but to just flow through and, and prime the hose and do all the things. And that's kind of how I see, you know, when I'm meeting myself at this epitome of presence and pain, it is un, un allowing because here's another big piece that that's coming forth for me now is like, I don't want to repeat these lessons. I'm here to clear this karma. I'm here to heal this lineage. I'm here to to learn these lessons because as we know, and like you said, even from my past, and even though a lot of my upbringing was not, you know, my fault or anything, it's like, we've got to learn these lessons so that they're cleared out because if not, the karmic agreements will continue and you will keep having these situations over and over and over again, or pieces of that same energy until you embody and learn. So when I meet myself, I always remind myself of that. Like I'm here and this is, and again, this is like this innate feeling within me that I'm here to do this big work and running from it isn't an option. I'm here to meet myself at this precipice of pain and presence and purification so that I can cleanse myself and then cleanse my lineage and cleanse the future generations of certain pieces that are not meant to move forward. And so it's always this deep knowing that I get to be fully present for this. And then I get to be fully present for the joy and the bliss as well. Like to me, the presence in it all, it's like not running from it. And like you said, you will catch yourself grabbing your phone or, Oh, I just got to like zone out or like disconnect from this. But I will say that's not necessarily a bad thing either. As long as you're doing it from a heightened conscious place, you know, it's when you realize, Oh, five hours later, you're still scrolling on your phone. Right. But if it's like, I'm just going to veg out and watch a movie, you know, I'm just, it's like that conscious intention to be unconscious. Right. And so that's okay too. And I've noticed myself in the last month doing that often. And, but it's all in this conscious energy of like, okay, I'm just going to give myself a break from the deep dive into the pain, the deep dive into the healing, the deep dive into the meditation, the somatic release, whatever it is. It's like, 
we need the human again, honoring the humanity too. And like, you know what, if I want to veg out for a couple hours, I'm going to veg out for a couple hours, you know? So it's it's like allowing yourself, you know, and here's the other thing of this. It's like, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Like it gets to be messy too. You get to be messy. Like, it's not like you said, like, I'm perfectly sitting in meditation and I'm going to move this pain and here, you know, it's like, no, sometimes it's bawling your eyes out and punching a pillow or, you know, in the fetal position or whatever it is, but you allow for that humanity because you're here to experience humanity, you know? Mm-hmm. Well said. There's, I mean, I love that. There's so much in there. I, <laughs> I, you know, have also been going through quite a significant portal, you know, exiting a relationship a few months ago and massive change and change in trajectory, change in location, change, change everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's been such an empowering experience to feel the way that I can be a total mess. I can like, I can allow myself to be a total mess. And I'm aware of the fact that what I need right now is to be a total mess. And I'm holding myself in the total, in the total messness. And I noticed that, you know, within many of the women that I'm working with currently, they're in the process of breaking through their own resistance to it being okay to not be okay. Yes. I feel like when we make it like, it's like, can we make it okay to not be okay. And I really feel in you that high performer archetype. And this is the archetype of many of the women, both of us will attract as high performer archetypes. Mm -hmm. And it's like this idea that if I'm not doing something, if I'm not, and I really notice the way that that translates for me, even into my own transformational process where I'm like, now I'm meditating now, somatic work now dance practice now (laughs) breath work now that, you know, it's like almost like just this deep. And if I really, if my system really needs that to move energy through, then I'm so grateful to have those tools. And I'm so proud of the way that I have learned how to show up for myself. And I'm discovering that I have the capacity to be with myself at this like enormous magnitude of emotional content and transformational motion and and all of that. It's beautiful. And there's also this, like the high performer can kind of get locked. It can turn its head on that. Like, well, if I'm not doing all of that, what does it mean to just do nothing? Like, can I be in the process that I'm in and have my practice, of course, and I'm devoted to that and also veg out and watch a movie and also be okay, just be okay, not being okay without having to fix it, without needing to fix it immediately. And in that I find, and I'm in my own process of being okay with not being okay. I'm okay with not being okay. And I'm really good at doing something about it. Right. right? So now it's like, can I be okay with not being okay and actually be okay with not doing something about it? Mm -hmm. And I find that when I get myself into that place, nature, that which is natural can actually flow and do its thing more because when we become, you know, our personal development prowess becomes so thick there, then does start to be an identity structure tied up in it that thinks it knows what you need when life is like, you don't know exactly what you need. This is all this that's happening. You never would have thought that that's what you need, but it's happening. So it is what you need. Mm -hmm. So I find in the non-doing, even if not feeling okay, like how, 
okay can I be to not feel okay? And one example for me is today I noticed this from the afternoon, like 2.30 on, I don't have any plans. Mm. And I, I noticed myself this morning, like get into this sort of anxiety feeling like, like I need to make a plan or reach out to someone or figure out what I'm going to do in my second half of the day today. And I noticed that there's an escape in that. I'm like, what are you escaping from? And when I really turned in and turned inward and listened, the part of myself that has experienced heartbreak recently really wants to feel how much I just want to be with me. Right. How much does I like, I want to be with me. I don't need to know that person X, Y, Z wants to be with me. So then I can feel like I'm lovable and safe and everything's okay. It's like, Oh, I really made a turn today where I realized oh, I can be okay, not feeling okay. And also not immediately go into doing, planning, creating, whatever. And then in that void space, I got to actually listen. Mm-hmm. And then that, which is most natural, like if you're watching on YouTube, you can see me. Otherwise you can't see me. My body without my conscious meaning to do it, I'm holding my heart. There's more of an inward energy. That which is natural right now, for me on this day is more of an internal energetic where I have my hand on my heart. My body's like just wanting to kind of cocoon and incubate and the little girl in me and every aspect that's been wounded from, you know, my experiences of love being taken with the masculine and all of that. She wants to know that, Oh, I want to be with you. I just want to be with you. And that's going to be great and fun. And so if we're veg out and watch a movie or if we go on a walk or, you know, in that place, then nature, you're out of the way. And so nature, that which is natural can just flow in. And I did notice then in that the wake of that, there's a bunch of messages. It's like, it's really interesting because nature takes over and there's a quote that I sent to some of the dojo women yesterday, I feel to read here. And it says, the more resistance I apply to the deeply uncomfortable parts of healing, the more resistance I apply to the deeply uncomfortable parts of healing, the more I remain in emotional purgatory, Mm -hmm. ambiguously lost halfway between the peace I desire and the hell I emerged from. Sometimes it's beneficial just to let the growth hurt and watch the path we are meant to walk appear. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. And I always say too, you know, the ego is not a bad thing by any means. It's just a, you know, construct of all your experiences to keep you safe and protected and small and all the things, but the ego likes to be sneaky sometimes and pretend that it's your higher self and your soul. And it's like, you need to do the meditation. You need to go do the healing work. You need to do this. You need, and your soul actually, in my opinion, never really tells you what to do. It's a sensed knowing of like, this would be nice. Right. And, but the ego will be like, you should do the meditation. You should do this. You should do that. And it's like in relation to the healing work, instead of just like, what if we just need to be with nature? What if we just need to be with ourselves? What if we need to, you know, veg out? What if we have to come back home and say, okay, what is it that I truly desire in this moment? 
not to feel better, but to be present and to see whatever comes to me. Right. And instead of trying, like you said, to fix everything or fix it all the time, it's like sometimes the presence and like you called it the nature, like really is the most healing force we have access to, but we try to run around and numb out with all these other things, even spiritual work and healing. Like we, again, high achieving women, right? Like we're like, but I can do all the things I can do. Like I'm going to be the best healed person ever. And it's like, okay, cool. But let's be human too. You know, really interesting. I, I got a call from one of my clients yesterday who's really going through it. And the first thing I said on the call was my love, I'm probably not going to be able Mm. to give you the answer, the direction that the part of you that's calling wants right now. Mm-hmm. And so naming that when I can sense that part of the initiation currently is to be in the not knowing, mm-hmm. is to be in the allowing of things to fall apart, is to be in the stir, the snow globe, the liminal, the like everything is spinning and I don't know what, you know, and then that's when the ego structures the most want to come out. And that's where we can really see where our work is the most. And I feel like at this stage, at the leading edge of the magnitude of incredible beings that I know we both get to work with that are our allies, our friends, our sisters, our comrades on this evolutionary journey, I really notice a pattern in myself and my, my clients and my friends and my allies of really getting comfortable with being in the unknown space and allowing, just being in the allowance of it. Like we can trust ourselves enough to not have to have our hands on the steering wheel all the time. Mm -hmm. And that becomes the leading edge of growth. You know, that becomes, I've gotten enough evidence, man, from life over the last couple of years that it's like, you know, it's like, you're looking around for something like your sunglasses and you realize they're on your head. I feel like sometimes life is kind of like, come on, like really like I've shown you like, boom, 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 time and time again. And it's just putting that, like pairing the pattern together. We see our wounding patterns, but Mm -hmm. also pair the pattern of the way life has always shown up, how life is always showing up for you in the form of your relationships, in the form of your animal, in the form of the breath that you're able to take in this moment, in the form of the earth beneath your feet, in the form of the food on your plate, life is providing for you in so many ways. And when we really pay attention to that and don't take that for granted, when the snow globe effect happens and we're like, whoa, I don't prefer this. This is crazy. I feel like I'm dying then we can at least have a, a silver thread, right? Like that becomes the silver lining. It's like, okay, but like, why would it be different now? Why would life just now not be providing for me in every way that I need? It's like, it's still there and present in that moment as well. And I find that to be just so powerful in terms of all that's next, you know? Yeah, literally, it's so funny you said that because yesterday I had a very similar conversation with a client. I was like, I know you want me to give you like steps one, two, three, but number one, you know, I don't work that way. Uh-huh. And number two, like this is where you're at and let's take a moment, you know, because I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to give her what that 
mental body wanted so badly, you know, in the frantic that was taken over by the emotional body. And it was just, it was very interesting, very similar conversation, but yeah, it's kind of like what you said, getting comfortable being uncomfortable. And then also having that frame of reference for your entire life and anybody listening, like you're safe right in this moment, like every moment up until this point, if you can do anything in any moment to just remind yourself that you're okay, and you're safe. You've got a phone you're listening to this on. Hopefully you've got shelter, food, water, human connection, which is all we truly need. But so often we confuse safety with comfort. So when we get a little uncomfortable in life, we get a little in pain, we automatically think I'm not safe, right? The trauma response in our body. I'm not safe. It kind of goes with like the business side of things. It's like, there's a difference. My mentor says this beautifully between need and desire. You don't need the new phone, but you want the new phone, right? Like there's a difference. And so, but we go into this frenic, we break a phone. She, she said this once and it like, I was like, yes, you break a phone and you say, well, I need a new phone. And your friend goes, oh, but I can't afford it. We'll just go on Facebook Marketplace, get a phone. No, but I, I, I want the new iPhone. Oh, okay. Like you can't afford the new iPhone. Okay, that's different than I can't afford a phone at all, right? So there's these differences that are really potent and powerful in these moments as well. Well said, well said. I love it. Yeah, you, you're <laughs> really impressed with your linguistic mastery. <laughs> And the energy that you're bringing, I, I just feel yeah, such a connection with you and so grateful for your time and your energy presence here and really honoring the work that you're doing in the world at this time. I'm curious if there's any invitations that you would like to presence for those who are listening around how they might be able to work with you. What's your website? What are, are there any new programs that are coming out? And I would just love to invite you to share. Oh, I thank you so much. And again, just so honored to be here. I love your energy too. And it's just so, you know, there's no coincidences why these yeah. connections happen, you know? So yeah, so I have my Instagram, which is where I hang out the most. And it's just at Echo Summer Hill. And there is a link in the bio there that kind of keeps you up to date on things. The biggest piece that is my passion and really the foundation of everything that I do is the Soul Up movement. And Again, focusing on mind, body, soul, business alignment, sacred sisterhood. And for your audience, I would love to give 10% off that membership. And it's just podcast 10 and the soulupmovement.com. So we can put all that in the show notes, but everything else is linked in my bio and my Instagram, what I've got constantly rolling through. So Amazing. Thank you so much for your presence and joining here today. I would highly encourage all those who are listening to check out Echo. And I'm so grateful for each and every one of you for bringing your hearts wide open to us today. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at zaharazimring and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. 
I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart. Leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.